Yeah, put your hands together. Great to be together in Jesus' name. Let's go to him and just ask him to speak to us today. Heavenly Father, we, we're here today. We want to hear from your spirit. Um, we are totally interested in hearing what you have to say to us. And uh, upon the possibility that someone doesn't really want to hear, I pray that they hear maybe something new today. Said, that's our word, new. In Jesus' name, we pray. Everyone said, amen. You can be seated. If you're visiting, my name's Scott. I'm one of the pastors at Adventure. And today's word is the word new. We're talking about new today. And you know, this, just in the last week, folks have been interested in new. Do you know on the 11th of November, that is considered Singles Day in China because they're, it's marked by two, num, two ones, and they go out and shop on Singles Day, and they spent 24 plus billion dollars. I guess if you're China, you can do that. It's, they want something new. And you know, if you're, if you're listening intuitively right now, people around you are telling you what they want for Christmas. How many of you have already caught, drops, caught some? They're, they're already starting, hey, that outfit, oh, I like that, I like that, that Land Rover. You know, we start to talk, you know, that about new, right, right? People are thinking new. We like new, right? Uh, there's a story about an Amish father and his son that visited a mall for the first time in their life, and they saw these stainless steel walls opening and closing, and the son asked his dad, dad, what is that? And dad said, I have no idea. I've never seen one before. But they noticed the door would shut and then little, little lights would go on. And they thought, that's crazy new. And then a woman came in on a wheelchair. She went into the room. The, she pushed a button and the stainless steel walls opened. She rolled right in and the stainless steel door is shut. And they're like, wow, she's gone. And then the doors opened in this Beautiful 24-year-old woman walks out of the elevator, and the father said, son, go get your mother. They're, we all think new, right? New, new. Just kidding. I might get in a little trouble for that one to say. But we think in terms of new. This week, we visited the Gypsy Chic Vintage Market in Lincoln. Anyone ever been there? You got to go there. You got to go there. It's kind of fun. And we found something not new. We found something old that reminded us of something new or something we actually needed, and I want to share it with you. We bought four of these. They are fold-up chairs out of New York, and they're tiny. You know, they fit. You can carry them to the beach if you want. Um, you can put them in your glove compartment. They're small, and they fold up, you know, they fold up into these cool little chairs, and I mean, you can just you can just get on them. They're tough. You can, they're like a Black & Decker saw thing. You can saw on them. I mean, they're good. Well, not in our home, but they're just cool. They're not new. They're old. But sometimes old stuff can, and I'm not referring to your spouses, sometimes old stuff can be, can have new to us. I'm going to talk to you about four different things that I think can bring newness to your life this fall and winter that are totally new, but they're free. You in? You in on free? Totally new and yet free. They're also old. There's stuff that, that 
is featured as key teachings in the Bible. And I'm going to be a little more teachy today than normal. Today's going to be a little bit more uh, teachy, doctrinal, theological, okay? And uh, so I'm excited about sharing it with you. So one of the very first things that we want to feature as we answer this question, how do we experience God's new, is this idea that contextually our God is a God of new. Our God, when he rescued the Hebrews from slavery in Egypt in 1500 BC, he told them, and you can read the red font if you can, when we get there, he said, uh, what we know about the Lord is, when the Lord your God brings you into the land, a land with large flourishing cities, you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things, you did not provide, wells, and vineyards and olive groves, you, when God does that, the Hebrew people were coached, don't get arrogant. Because we have to remember, not only is God bringing us all forward, if you're in Jesus, towards stuff that's new, but he does it all by his grace. That's why this is repeated. You did not build, you did not provide, you did not dig, you did not plant. So you have to have that kind of idea that our God's a generous God, He's always bringing us forward. Now, some of you are like, new house, new, new vineyard, new well, I'm in for that. I want to say that what he's doing in our lives has much more to do with our character, our relationships, our understanding of Jesus. That's where we're headed today. And I think we really need to know that in the midst of what may be a season for you of kind of dismal, dreary... Same old, same old, nothing's going to change, you know, (sighs) hopelessness. You need to know that sometimes God will step up and surprise you. The prophet Isaiah captured this when he wrote, see, he, he captured God saying, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs. Do you know a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland? I'm going to do something totally new, Isaiah is teach a new relationship, a new something that's very old, but truthfully is very new. It begins with a new relationship, a new covenant. A covenant is a unique lang- is unique language in holy writ because it describes someone who offers a contract and helps you keep that contract. God offers us a relationship and, and also wants to help keep us in that relationship. It's like a spouse who who takes who who asks for someone's hand in marriage and then does everything he or she can to help that spouse stay in the marriage and keep the marriage healthy. It's what a marriage should be. It's a new covenant. It's a new relationship. And what's unique about this relationship is it meets the father's demands. The father had some unique demands. Here they are. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? There are all of our sins, our narcissism, our self-absorption, our selfishness, our sin that separated us from God has been completely expunged, absorbed, pardoned by Jesus' act on the cross. And you have to admit, the cross is something that's very old, right? We're at 2,000 years, a little less. And the cross is that Roman century, first century barbaric apparatus where someone who was on it was considered subhuman where Jesus offered his precious blood to completely eradicate all of our sin, even though we still sin. Completely pay it all off. It'd be like your mortgage lender 
calling you tomorrow and saying, your mortgage is paid off. Don't send us any more money or we're going to take you to court. How many of you are in for that? You're like, I'm in, right? There's nothing different about having a zero balance on your mortgage for the next 10, 20, 30 years than what Jesus accomplished on the cross. Your, your guilt mortgage is at a zero balance. Completely. At a zero balance. How many like zero balance as it relates to guilt? <laughs> it's completely paid off. And it was done because he had the sinless life and he was God's son, the chosen one, Messiah, the son of God, chosen to suffer for our sins and pay it all off. So when you imagine Christianity, don't think religion. Because religion is about works. Christianity about, is about done, finished. The bridge has been built. You're not needed to build it. Get your hands off the hammer. It's been built. It's done. You just need to walk across it and enjoy the relationship, the favor that God gives. That's old, but let it, let it anchor newness in your life. It deals not just with our legal standing before God. It deals with our conscience. The writer says, how much more then will the blood of Christ, by the way, I'm not trying to over-douse you with this language, blood, it gets to be a little bit much for some, how much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our, you know how this happens? Not only do we have legal standing before God because of our sin, but that complete payment of all of our sin allows the Holy Spirit to come in our lives and alert our consciences, wake us up, make us sensitive to the Spirit's leading. In fact, Jeremiah described it this way. He said that the Holy Spirit writes the teachings of God on our hearts, so we want to do them. It's still difficult, but we want to do them. We're like, yeah, I want to do what the Spirit wants me to do. From acts that lead to death. Sin leads to death. <laughs> Doing stupid, and I've done a lot of it, it leads to death. <laughs> so that we may serve the living God. And so we're, we, let, we stand legally, completely pardoned by God. And because of the sacrifice of Christ, we have an opportunity for our consciences to be completely guilt-free. Here's why. Because when I mess up, I can say, God, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have thought that. I shouldn't have done that. I, I shouldn't have sent that email. I shouldn't have said that. Will you please forgive me? Oh, he will, just like that. In fact, I still, I, I've always had a zero balance, but when my heart gets dirty, just like laundry, I get a chance to experience it by just saying, hey, will you apply your generosity to how I feel right now? Because feelings sometimes can get kind of tricky. But facts, they're our friends. Facts are your friends. The cross is a substitutionary death for all sin. That's a fact. So, so what's new is old, but it can renew you this fall, and that is that you stand legally pardoned before God. How do you get to get close to that? Survey the cross. Make the cross part of your language. Make the cross part of your discussion. One of Jesus' most influential writers boasted in the cross. He talked about the cross. Don't be afraid to talk about the cross. It's everything. Number two, we are, what, what we also have that is new is that we are a new creation. 
Zach referenced last week C.S. Lewis' book, The Weight of Glory, where he quoted Lewis as having said, there are no ordinary people. We're all immortals. We all live forever. The person standing, sitting next to you is no, is no ordinary person. They're immortal. They're, they're never going to die. They will live forever and ever and ever. That person across the cubicle from you at work that drives you crazy is going to live forever. <laughs> they're no ordinary person. That neighbor is going to live forever. <laughs> that relative you're going to have for Thanksgiving, sorry to inform you, they're no ordinary person. And I know you already know that. They're immortal. There are no ordinary people. If you're in Jesus, his design is to redo Genesis in your life, to actually recreate you. And it's a long-term process, and it's all by his grace. But his goal in life is that you are transforming into Christ. Here's the scripture. If anyone is in Christ, the creation, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the, the new is here. He's doing new in you. And you know what's cool? If you've known someone for a long time and they're in Jesus, they should be getting better. <laughs> One of my friends, uh, Wayne Bigelow, who's in his 90s now, told me in his 80s, Scott, you know what happens as people age? They either get worse in character or better. As a physician, he'd seen a lot of patients in his life, but he said their character either gets better or worse. They're more grateful or more bitter. I thought it was worth, worth sharing. Here's what we know about what the Spirit is doing in our lives. The Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead after his death, lives in the life of a believer. He does three things. He's forming Christ in us. The character of Christ, the, the peace, the gentleness, the patience, the compassion, the mercy, the kindness. It's being formed in us so we can grow, so we can mature. We all need help in this area. The, the Spirit worked on me this week. I was driving by the Shell station on Thursday, and I saw a gentleman who looked homeless, and I, I couldn't get to him. He was kind of off to the side, and uh, as a, I wanted to just talk to him, see if he needed anything, so I thought, all right, I'll drive all the way back around. So I drove back around, I saw him, and I said, hey, how's it going? He goes, all right. I had a couple packs of gum. I just gone to get a little card break at Rayleigh's, um, and I said, hey, would you like a pack of gum? He said, I said, would you like some gum? He said, sure. I gave him some gum, and it was kind of hard for me to do. I'm just being honest with you. I really like gum, so I, it, was, it was somewhat of a sacrifice. I know that sounds really selfish, but it was, I know I could have afforded to buy him lots of gum, but I did see all I had two, and, and then he gave me the pack back. And he only took five slices. And I'm just being my honest self. I was like, that's really, thank you. <laughs> I mean, I'm just being honest. I, it wasn't that I wasn't feeling generous, but I'm a little bit addicted to gum. And he gave it back to me, and I said, so how you doing? He goes, I said, are you cold? He said, yeah. He said, I said, do you have blankets? He said, yes. He told me where he stayed, under a bridge over here. And uh, I said, um, you need some, I said, what else is going on? He said, I haven't eaten in three days. I'm like, what? He says, my EBT check hasn't come. I was like, well, do you want to go to Rayleigh's? And he said, um, I wouldn't even know how to shop at Rayleigh's. And I'm like, Phew. And this guy, this, it was a, I would call him a, a handsome gentleman. He, he reminded me of the, 
the older gentleman in Home Alone. Remember that guy, that saintly guy? Looked like him. And so I said, well, how about Carl's Jr.? You know, big portions. He goes, yeah. I said, let's go to Carl's Jr. So we went to Carl's Jr. and got him enough for three days. I got and uh, I said, uh, you know, I was, you know, you're just kind of busy, right, during the week. Let's go. I, I got to get to work. And I thought, you know what, make, let's make this more of a moment. I don't tell him, hey, I'm a pastor, I'm a Christian, I do this because Jesus loves you, make him feel guilty. I just said, hey, have a great day. And he got all teary-eyed. I said, no problem. I'm out, we're blessed. I walked away, and I, I turned back, and I just said, hey, by the way, what's your name? He said, I'm Scott. I'm like, what? <laughs> and if you're visiting, my name's Scott. And I thought... What he's no, you're no better than him. What, what's why does he get this and you get this? You, you don't understand what I'm saying. And so I went back to him. I said, Hey, I'm Scott, and I just I can't thank you enough for what you're doing for me today. Here's the deal Christ is being formed in me, Christ is trying to conform me into the image. God's trying to conform me into the image of his son, Jesus, who was homeless, who spent time with folks that were very low income. And he's trying to transform me into his image. I'm becoming a new person. I've been a Christian since I was 12. I'm still getting better. We're all supposed to be getting better. Here's the point. Christ is being formed in you. You're, he's, tr- he's trying to conform you into the image of Jesus, and he's trying to transform you. You are an, a work in progress, always, if you're in Jesus. That's the goal. He's at work in you, though. You're not being expected to work all by yourself. That's why the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, come, comes along our side. We've also been given new power. And we need new power because the world we're in is, has an enemy around us. The world we in is, that we're in is anti-Christ. I really believe that. Increasingly anti-Christ. <clears throat> we have an enemy within us. We have a in our, in our souls, we have a, something that the Bible calls the flesh. And that's just kind of our default mode is to try to satisfy our flesh. The flesh is the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. There's one more. Does anyone know off the top of your head? First John. Lust of the eyes, pride of life. Desire, lust of the flesh, pride of the life. Desire for things. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh. What's the last one? Pride of life. Thank you, Dan. That's, that's my flesh. It's, it's, I fight it day. Yeah, I don't want to give my gum, really? Some of you are like, that's the last time I'm coming to this church. Well, it's, we struggle, okay? And then lastly, the devil. The devil's the enemy above us. The devil is described in Scripture as the one roaming about the earth, and he, his mission is to kill, steal, and destroy, like he did a week ago Sunday in Texas. That's what he does. And so, as a new person, I, I rely on his spirit to lead me. Okay? And it's tough, but it's fun. I like this ancient preacher, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, the great Welsh preacher, who said, there's not a grosser or greater misrepresentation of the Christian message than that which depicts it as offering a life of ease with no battle and struggle at all. Sooner or later, every believer discovers the truth that the Christian life is a battleground, not a playground. It's hard. If you're not, if it's, in fact, Paul wrote that if you're not suffering in some regard, but as, you, as you're not letting the Spirit lead you, because it's, it's challenging, but it is a joy. But as, you, as, you're let, as, you're, as you're experiencing being a new creation, a new person, 
having new power, you have the hope of a different legacy in your family. You have the hope of, of, a, of a different legacy. And we were talking about this. The scriptures teach that for Christ's love compels us. This is Paul writing. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore those who, uh, and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should. You don't live for yourself. Let's just say that one again. I mean, that's a different mindset, is it not? But for who died for them and was raised again. This kind of personal worldview will have influence on your whole family. It'll influence your Thanksgiving dinner, guarantee you. It'll influence how you welcome family. It'll influence how you connect with friends that maybe, maybe with whom you have conflict. Because if he set the example there on how to live for others, he has high expectations of us. How do we do this? How do we let, we let Christ be formed, formed and transformed in us? And the way you experience this, in case you're thinking, what, where the, what is he saying? If you're out there just thinking, I have no idea how you would let Jesus do a work in your life, it's really simple. It's the Bible. You, you, you open it. And you read it. This is a living book. And it will speak to your mind, to your rationale, to your soul, to your heart. It's alive and active. And there are tools we use to help you with. You can have the Bible in video texted to you if you'll text refuel to this number every day. And it's actually synchronized with these messages. It'll go together. I like that. I love this. I love opening the Bible. And just letting the scriptures teach. I did it this morning. Even though I was prepared for this message, not do it for my own soul. Oh, I love it. I honestly, I'd have a hard time not doing it. Because it, man, it speaks to me. I get, I get encouraged, you know, in, in a, on a tough day. I get excited about the day because of the Bible. Do you know 1,500 churches were interviewed in the Midwest and these were all churches where peop, their peoples were experiencing life change, and they were asked, what's the key? They said, the Bible. We read it. Real fancy, isn't it? <laughs> but you got it. You got to crack it open. I encourage you. These are a couple tools. This is a great Bible app, by the way. This is a great Bible app created by a pastor from Oklahoma named uh, Greg Krieger, Greg uh, Groeschel. Amazing, amazing tool. The third thing in our life that's new is we have not only, we're not only new creations, we're not only uh, part of a new covenant with God, with, with total pardon, but we have access to a, a new community. We have access to, the early church community was amazing, and there's a community at our church developing that I think is surreal. I was with maybe 25 or 50 adventurers and friends last night. I, I, the kind of love that was there was amazing. Or I'll tell you, I was, I was with Adventurers and Natoma's community on Saturday at the, um, the Wage War for Hope race for pancreatic cancer on Saturday at Land, Land Park. I was so encouraged to see Natoma's residents and Adventurers there encouraging one another. It was awesome. I couldn't believe it. I didn't expect to see a person I knew. I knew like 25 people there. I was like, they're all here to support our community and, and some Beloved people who are fighting this awful cancer, aggressive cancer, that my assistant died of about five years ago. But we have a new community in the church. 
I guarantee you the community right now that is surrounding that Baptist church in Texas on this Sunday morning is, you, you can touch it. Suffering brings about incredible community. It's just, I would imagine the community there is amazing. I would imagine the community that surrounds the Coptic church of St. Mark in Cairo, Egypt, that's been bombed twice during their mass, that the kind of commitment they have towards one another is ridiculous. Going to church today? Yep. Can you imagine that? Yep. Wonder what the message is going to be like. I don't know, man. <laughs> Hope we get through it. Twice. A year ago, Christmas, they were bombed. And then again by Hezbollah. Guess who started that church? The author of the Gospel of Mark 2,000 years ago, John Mark. Here's the community. They were a daring community. After they prayed, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the Word of God boldly. Very daring. Very courageous. And they were a caring community. God's grace was so powerfully at work in all of them that there were no needy persons among them. For among them, from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. By the way, you wonder, who, why would anyone do that? Well, when people are dying and losing family, like they were in the first century, like we see in Iraq today, you do that for people. You care, because people matter more than things, right? People matter more than things. You're going to hear that challenge today. They were the most caring community ever. We are very inspired by this gal this week. How many of you know this story this week from our community? Anybody? Good. Get a little surprise today. Check this out. This is Grace Lindo. She is finishing a 100-mile run. 100, just in case you didn't hear that. That's 10 times 10. She told, she told our staff this week that that 100-mile run, what really surprised her was the kind of support that was around her. All these people that she didn't even know were supporting her. She said it didn't get hard till about mile 80. Yeah, I know, 80, 80. And she said at about mile 80, um, I just really started to struggle. Yeah, how many of you are like, I would struggle at mile 2? Yeah. She said, at mile 80, these people started coming around me and really encouraging me. And then she said, you know, she's a preacher's kid. She was raised by a pastor like me. She said, wouldn't it be great if our churches were as loving and caring as these people that didn't even know me were during my run? And uh, that's her husband, John. They were in first service. They shared the story this morning. But she, she shared this challenge you know, wouldn't it be great if we loved and cared for each other like she experienced? And she asked me after service, why do you suppose people just came around me so much? And I'll tell you why. I think it's suffering. I think when people go through hard times, it, the community of Christ just s- takes a stand and helps out. It really, her story really inspired me. We need, to, we need to let Christ use us to really bring hope to people, to love people. And, and I, I think... 
This is what I learned about the first century church. This is a fascinating historical factoid. Check this out. By the year 251, the resources of the church in Rome had grown so much that it was supporting from its common purse, okay, the budget of the church. They were supporting from its common purse not only the bishop, the, the lead pastor, 46 presbyters, that's like a, those are like volunteer workers, seven deacons, those are waiters, um, seven subdeacons, those are waiters who work for waiters, 42 acolytes, those are young kids helping with candles, and 52 exorcists. That's a unique ministry. <laughs> what do you do? Ah, demon exorcism, cool. Uh, readers and doorkeepers, okay, watch this. All of whom were fed by the grace and kindness of the Lord. He continues, in Asia Minor and Syria, modern-day Syria, by the end of the 4th century, it was common to bequeath a determined portion, often a third of one's property, to the church. Finally, requests had by this, bequests had by this time made the 4th century church a considerable landowner. How come? For people. Caring for people. It's what we do. So how do we do this? How do we move this direction? Here's the big deal. I've learned this. I, I tell you, I've learned this through people who have been suffering. If you're getting up, if you're getting that empathy prompting, that empathy, they're going through something. Don't sit around and think, what am I going to say? You don't have to say anything. Please, it's better not to say anything. Don't open your mouth with some pearl of wisdom. It's probably the wrong thing to say. But just go show up. Show up. Even if it's a little unexpected, it'll be appreciated. Show up. People want to know that they matter. Last week, we thought one of our seniors died. I got a note on Sunday a week ago that one of our seniors died, Bonnie Schaefer. And uh, she's in her 80s. She lives at Carefree. Just a saint. She called me on Monday. Hey, I'm alive, Pastor Scott. I don't know how you found out that I, I'm dead. I'm alive. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, buddy. How you doing? We've talked quite a bit. She's asked me to do a memorial service. We're meeting Tuesday to start planning. Here's why. She has hope. She, her, her, her faith is in the new sin. And let me tell you, don't only just have this incredible community that's for our design. And let me just tell you, I actually think that the community that the church can offer is just the best. I was at a party last night. I could not believe how fun it was to be with friends that I've known for a long time, some almost 20 years. So gift. And what brings us together? Jesus. <sighs> Adventures understand, this is part of our strategy. We understand go, that kind of go language, and take someone with you is, is how we bring Jesus hope. You go. You get a prompting to, to show empathy. You go and you just show up. You don't, have to, you don't have to say anything. Just be there. And we think also if you're feeling like you're not connected and you want to be, you got to get in a group. You got to get in a group or volunteer somewhere. Okay? That's how you get to know people. It's fun. All right. Final thought. Here it is. Final thought is this. There's a new city coming. I think that's why Bonnie has such faith. New city. This may be new language for you. You may hear something you've never heard before. But since the foundations of the world, Jesus has actually been building a city for his people. Here's what we know. If this is talking about some of the patriarchs, the old guys of the Bible, 
if they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country. The Hebrews, they were longing for a better place beyond the promised land. A heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared a city for them. Just in case you think I'm not representing the whole harmony of Scripture, how does the Bible end? Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. It's not in red, but I'm going to ask you to say this one piece with me. John, Jesus' favorite disciple, the one who told, said of himself, he loves me the most. John said, I saw the, the holy city. This is 90 AD to 110 AD, he writes this. The new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. The new order. No more separation, no more tears, no more death. There's a new city coming. It's totally new. It's, it, there's tremendous hope. Every morning, I show up at my mother's house, and I help my stepdad every day out of bed. Well, not every day, Monday through Saturday. And he requires a lift. He has advanced Parkinson's, so he requires a lift to get him up out of bed. We pump him up out of bed. We move him. We land him. And uh, we, it's, it's a soft landing. Place him in his wheelchair. My mom and I are both kind of airheaded. Sometimes we hit one another's heads when we're working. It's kind of funny. But you know what's, You know why my, my stepdad has hope? New city's coming. It may seem very distant from you right now, this idea that new city, yeah, 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 whatever, until you have a grandparent who's getting older or some crazy illness in the family. Then all of a sudden, new city matters, doesn't it? New order, no pain, no more tears, no more death. Jesus said, I go and prepare a place for you so that you might be there also. Do you have the hope of that city? Do you have the hope of Christ being formed in you? Of Christ transforming in you? Of Christ conforming you to his own image? Do you have the hope that all your sins are completely covered? Have you believed in that once for all sacrifice for you? That you can live free with a guiltless conscience? Do you have the hope of being a, a, a compassionate person, a person who's empathetic, even though you might struggle with it sometimes? When's the last time you did something for a neighbor or offered your services to someone, volunteer? This is the gospel. This is new. This is the best new. This is better than any outfit, better than any car, better than any cabin right here. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, show us personally what you want us to experience this year that's new. What is it? In Jesus' name we pray, amen.